Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. We're busted. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Now you're going to have to forgive me this week because I was catching up on my Rebels. I did a double feature today. And so I, th- these episodes might bleed together. Oh, that's okay. Like I might start talking about Chopper with the leg. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that might lead into, you know, then, then there were spiders. It's like a, it's like a crazy fever dream. <laughs> These two episodes put together. <laughs> but uh, I'm back. That's right. Uh, your old pal, Jason, back here on Rebels Declassified, here to talk about the mystery of Chopper Base, the 18th episode of season two of Star Wars Rebels. And I am very, very happy to be back and uh, beg your forgiveness for my absence last week. But I really don't think I was missed. I really don't. Uh, from what I, I've been reading the comments, everybody was just just fine with me not being oh, there. Oh, stop. But I'm back. No, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, but, but that's great. That's good to know because uh, it's good that our pal Spencer Brinkerhoff, that's right, we've got him back again this week. Spencer Brinkerhoff III is, uh, is fitting right in here on uh, Rebels Declassified, Spence. Great to have thank, you back with you. us. Thank you. I, uh, I, I... I've forgotten how much I like to talk about this stuff. You know, I just I could go on and on and on. I mean, I'm looking forward to hear your uh, your thoughts and opinions on this uh, this episode. I am, too. <laughs> I am, too. Well, no, thank you for keeping Jimmy Mack in line last week. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. It, it, it I know make it sound easy, but it's not an easy thing. Got keep me no, on a short was, leash. Well, it wasn't just Jimmy. I, I mean, it wasn't easy sort of being that, that moderator part, too. So, Jason, thank you for all of the work that you do. I mean, it's, uh, it's quite a bit to keep the ball, ball rolling in this thing. Hours of preparation, folks. Hours. Yeah. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's, it is great to be back. And uh, that other voice that you hear is, uh, of course, my good friend and yours and Spencer's from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. 
Hey, Star Wars fan. See, I mean, no. Seriously, after three, this is the third show with Spencer, and he gets introduced before me. I don't oh, know, man. I, well, no, wait a no, minute. Spencer, wait a minute. You, you got to put the milk at the end of the store. Okay, I mean, all right. You know, the all back right. of the store, rather. All right. I appreciate uh, Spencer, it. Spencer, Jim, if you're the milk of the store, uh-huh. you know, Spencer, he's, he, I don't know, he's like the Jello. It's in that aisle. You, can't like re- the, you don't really know where it is. It's cereal. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> try cereal are you the, the, like, the generic stuff that comes in the bags yes it's underneath yes, the, the brand names family size bags right <laughs> jimmy you're the ice cream in our cart well i appreciate oh. that that's an appropriate amount of ass kissing for both of you but it still doesn't disguise <laughs> the fact that for the first time ever on a rebel force radio production i got introduced third <laughs> i won't forget true. that hey i'm fine i'm i'm fine riding shotgun but i'm not sitting in the back seat again no, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when we were kids and you go on the vacation and you're in the station wagon, you're in the back facing, you know, backwards. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. I'm sorry you have to be here for this, Spence, but, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> is this like when mom and dad fight? Yeah, this, none of this is your fault, son. None of I, this is your fault. I don't want to choose, okay? The fact is, Spencer, I'm not, I'm not I, we just don't love you anymore. That's really what it is. I know. Yes. I, I know. I just don't want to hear it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this, uh, this episode. No, it's truly, it was great um, that you guys were able to um, uh, talk about the forgotten droid. And I, I, all I'll do is just throw in, if, if, in case anybody was dying to know what I thought about the forgotten droid, I really liked it. I kind of liked it. Yeah. I really did. I thought it was, uh, it was a fun episode. I, I thought that uh, there was just something really kind of compelling and interesting about the 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 imperial droid and i also liked um that was steven stanton doing the voice of the uh, the commander right no that kind was of the not that was not i don't have that? you know i uh i uh didn't know at the time um but that gentleman is a stand-up comedian who voiced that imperial officer and i said he was doing a wisconsin voice but I was wrong. I was wrong. People pointed out to me that the comedian who was doing the voice, he's well known for his impersonation of Jesse the Body Ventura. Yes, I, I called it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I knew that that's what it had to. It couldn't have been an accident because I was about to give Stephen Stanton a, uh, a shout out for a great Jesse Ventura impression. Um, but uh, it wasn't him. You say it's a stand up comedian. So that would be. Um, well, Jesse's not Wisconsin. Jesse was uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So instead of getting Wisconsin, yeah, hey there, I uh, I uh, was just uh, <laughs> I was just uh, next door uh, in Minnesota. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> so in this episode, then we in that last episode we had you know Jesse the Body Ventura versus Hans Gruber, right? I oh. guess it would have been. <laughs> yes, if you think of Alan Rickman, because it was the the specific character that Alan Rickman played in Die Hard, Hans Gruber, that Stephen Stanton was basing the voice for that AP five, AB five, right? AB five. I keep forgetting. See, I'm his totally. Name. I'm just. I didn't look at the credits, obviously, because I did not realize that that was Stephen doing AP five. That was. which is. Great, I, great. I would not have, I would not have picked that out to be him. I thought for sure he was doing the, uh, the the captain. People, um, people on Reddit, people on Reddit have been freaking out 
ever since that episode debuted, The Forgotten Droid, last week, specifically about Stephen Stanton's voice work. That was the performance. After everything Stephen's done to this point, though, that is the performance that has kind of just pushed him over the top. And people are now putting Stephen on this pedestal saying, one of the top voice talents of our time. And you know what? Who am I to argue with anything like that? I've known that for a long time. I'm glad everyone else is catching up. Well, he certainly is. He certainly is. I mean, there are there are certain, you know, it doesn't take anything away from him, but there are certain voice actors that regardless of what they're doing, if you pay if you pay close enough attention, and that's not everybody. You know, like my wife, for example, unless it's a pretty well-known celebrity doing like a voiceover on a commercial or something, uh, it goes right past her. She doesn't care. She doesn't think about it. So, but I do, I really do listen to voices and um, a lot of times you'll hear somebody and you'll go, I, I recognize that. That's so-and-so. Even when they're doing a, a, an accent or an affectation or something. But I would not have guessed that that was Stephen Stanton. And he does fool me a lot. He really does. But I picked him as the, uh, as the voice of the captain and was about to give him a big shout-out for that, Jesse Ventura. So it was, clearly that's what the, the, the actor that did that, that was where he was going. That was the, yeah, it's a stand-up comedian, a guy named James Adamain. And he is well known for his uh, for his uh, Jesse the Body Ventura voice. He does he does a lot of other voices in uh, various animated series, and uh, in a show comedy Bang Bang, he oh. actually played Jesse Ventura. I've heard of that show. I think it's a Comedy Central uh, show. I think they do skits and whatnot. He was also in Harold uh, and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Uh, one of my favorites. I, I just saw an episode of the X-Files. Uh, Jim, I know you were an X-Files fan. I don't yes. know, Spencer, if you ever watched the X-Files. But there's yeah, I an, went through the series. You went through? Okay, so there's an episode where uh, Jesse Ventura is in it, and he plays a man in black who goes after all these people that uh, claim to see this, this UFO. And that's exactly who this Captain character reminded me of. The way he was so serious, you know, and talking. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was cool. Anyway, I love that episode. But we're not here to talk about that. You did that last week. We're here to talk about the mystery of Chopper Base. And so um, when last we met, left the crew, they were, were um, on their way to their new base. There was sort of a, a, a Hail Mary. Uh, they, they clearly were on their way to some sort of a trap or an ambush. They didn't really leave that um, or, or put much detail into that. Did you guys um, discuss that at all about how they, the rebels, or excuse me, the empire, empire might have known that they, were, they had their eyes on that, uh, that first planet they were going to go to? You know, Jason, we didn't really talk about it, but I definitely, definitely do have a theory on that. I believe they were led into a trap. Specifically, they were led to believe the the rebel fleet was led to believe that that um, that planet, which names uh, I don't know what it is right off the Yost was it something like that Yost something like that sounds yeah. like the name of a catcher for the Boston Red Sox, but um, but I think they were uh, led into that um, that trap by uh, Sabine's buddy Ketsu 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 O'Neill. Oh, see, I thought that's where they were going to, Jim. I was thinking that Ketsu was going to turn out to be a traitor. 
Yeah, because she specifically says at the beginning of the episode, there's no imperial presence there. Right. Yes, oh. yes. And it was the Yost system. You're correct about that. Yost. But they decide to go to uh, Adelon. Um, Spencer, did you think that was a little bit of a, 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 a plot hole or did that, did that one run, run past you? Um, I, I was taken out of, out of the scene a little bit when Ketsu first showed up because we hadn't seen her since you know, the, her run-in with Sabine. And so I didn't know why she was there, but I didn't think too much about it because in the end she comes and she helps and she saves him and stuff like that. But somehow or another there was a plot. The, uh, Imperial, uh, the, the Empire was all waiting for them on that planet and AP5 helped save the day. Now, AP5 right. is going to be a huge asset for the, the Rebels crew because he's got all of this information and he's able to cross-check this stuff. And he, he was the one that actually sent them off to, um, how do you say this, uh, Adelon? Adelon, yeah. I got to be honest, I thought that, they were saying Avalon for the longest yes, time. I yes, <laughs> Here, Here's my first question of the evening is Adelon. This episode is called The Mystery of Chopper Base. Why does Chopper get the credit for this? I was wondering that myself. Why does he get the credit for this? Well, he is the messenger. I mean, he's the one that tells Hera, relays the message from AP5 that um, they need to abort the, the Yoast mission. And but you're right. I mean, that's really all he's doing right. is repeating what AP5 well, says. And, and it's. It's super bad parenting here because they're just reinforcing <laughs> negative behavior. Chopper left his post. He stole the leg. He got into trouble. He stole that whole cargo ship and then happened to, to Lucky's way out of it. And then he gets some information that saves them all. So, okay, that, that's cool. But it was really AP5 that saved the day. So mystery of Chopper Base is why it's called Chopper Base. Yeah, haven't, we all, haven't we all known that guy, you know, that just falls ass backwards in the luck? Yeah. That's kind of like Chopper. You know, he's just sort of he – he never really gets his comeuppance. He, he does whatever he wants, marches to his own drum. People yell at him. But it always comes out smelling like a rose. Right. That's that's his thing. But yeah, no. So chopper base at uh, on Adelon. And we see the episode as it opens up. We've got some lightsaber battling uh, going on and some some sparring between Kanan and Ezra. And but right off the bat, you, you got uh, Hera kind of looking very morose, very sad. Um, I didn't see this one coming, Jim. For a, it took me a while to realize really what was happening and why was Hera looking so grim, and it's because they're about to leave. It, am I, did I pick up or did I not pick up on something that was you know, being talked about in previous episodes, this um, mission that they're going to go on and with Ahsoka and find the Inquisitors? Hmm. Have or is they, this the first time we've heard of it? Yeah, I don't think that they've uh, had any dialogue that specifically set up this mission. I, I don't, I don't think when they were dodging the space whales, they they were saying, "Well, when we when we get out of this one, we better go find those inquisitors." Yeah, no, I don't. Well, not specifically, but in Shroud of Darkness, um, as that opens up with that gigantic battle there. 
um, Ezra and Kanan are talking back and forth about how they may be endangering the mission True. because mm. the Red Blades, as Zeb calls the uh, Inquisitors, they keep showing up wherever they are. And so the whole reason that they did that Shroud of Darkness episode and they left and they went to the Jedi Temple was because they needed to get some further guidance to, to potentially find the base or find some safety or get themselves away. So I think that we've been building it up, but... But, Jason, I think that you're right when we kind of say, well, this is the the finale and the real, like, fork in the road as our crew is split into two parts now. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're right. We have heard them talk about the fact that, well, these Inquisitors are always two steps ahead of us. They they can always find us. And so, you know, it's the, the hunted now wants to become the hunter. And clearly Ahsoka has some skin in this game. Uh, we haven't really heard her, uh, to, to my recollection, really talk much about the Inquisitors, but we know where her interest lies. It lies with who uh, clearly is is pulling the strings of the Inquisitors, and that's that's Vader. She's interested in uh, getting mono a uh, mono with with Vader. Um, but there's a little bit. I mean, Kanan is kind of a divisive character a, a little bit here because there's some friction between him and Ezra, certainly friction between him and Hera. And I thought Spencer, one of the more interesting things, concepts, ideas in this was uh, that the rebels in Hera's mind. And I don't think she's just being kind of a, a, a jealous woman here. I think she really believes in her mind that they need to learn to live and succeed Without Jedi, yeah. Well, and that's that's the way that she started it. Um, what's the what's the first book that came out with uh, Rebels? The Dawn. What was that one again? A New Dawn. Yeah, A New Dawn. So in that one, we learn all about Ezra and her, Ezra. Sorry, we learn all about Hera and how she's really trying to build this you know, rebellion. And she's, she's hesitant to trust Kane and he's just some, you know, pilot. And then as she learns that he is a Jedi, she starts to have that hope. Um, we see the same sort of like a similar storyline is going to be happening in uh, Rogue One. You know, what does the world look like, the Star Wars universe look like without Jedi and how does it operate without them? Hera has been realizing that the, the idea of the Jedi is gone, but maybe they can be back. And then they find Ezra, and she's been the mom harboring this relationship, getting everyone together so that they can maybe reinforce that hope. But she knows in the end that they can't stick around forever. And she's, she's stealing herself against that moment, and she knows that this is it. This is our... It, in a certain degree, this is our Empire Strikes Back episode. We're mm. on the, the new planet, establishing the base. Instead of snow, it's it's desert. Instead of the wampas, we've got you know the spider creatures, and then um, we've got that moment where our our cowboy Jedi, our Han Solo rogue character, is saying he's got to leave, and our princess, our Hera, our leader, is saying you know well. I know you need to go, but I kind of want you to stay. And so, yeah, I think that she is preparing herself to, to march on without Jedi support because she may be feeling the same way that, that Kanan was, that they're actually drawing attention from the Inquisitors and there may be a, a being sort of like a harm to the whole rebel movement. You know, when they go into the cave, 
Jimmy, uh, there's that moment when Kanan, it's, it's the Scooby-Doo moment, right? When it's like, you and Daphne go here or whatever. And <laughs> Kanan starts directing the traffic a little bit. And Hera kind of inserts herself and says, no, you two, Kanan and Ezra, you go this way. You go that way. The rest of us will go that, the other way because we need to learn to survive without you. But what happens? Well, they got to come and save the day. Well, of course. Right? Yeah, because they were the only ones who can see because they had the lightsabers. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was? That's all it the was. Torches? That's all it was. They had the lightsabers. But no, they had no. the, the, the uh, rest of the crew had flashlights. So uh, that there goes yeah. my theory. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a process for Hera and uh, Zeb to learn how to work and to be to work without those two. They're such important parts of the machine. And it's uh, like a world without Superman in a way. Hey, we, you know, we've all been there. You know, we've all grown comfortable in our situations, whether it be at school or on a team or in a band or at the workplace where you you grow dependent on each other to do the best job. So when one of those components is removed, you almost find yourself back at square one. You're like, oh my God, I have two left hands. I'm learning how to do this all over again because I don't have that, that other person there who made my job easier and better actually. So that's kind of what it comes down to, I think. And, you know, I think it's something we can all relate to. But it, do we should we learn anything from this in the sense that that they can't uh, take care of themselves that they can't without take them? care of themselves without you know <laughs> without Superman showing up? Well, you know um, that that's a that's a good question. It, it definitely does uh, expose perhaps a weakness, and uh, maybe it's good they're getting a taste of it now uh, before they're really left on their own. Um, right. You have well, it's like Hera wanted to go through those motions, right? Maybe she needed to, you know, she needed yeah. to go through it just to see how life exists without those guys. But again, they are part of a larger rebellion now. They have the Phoenix Squadron. They're establishing their first ever base. And so I think that Hera will also learn how to work with with others that, you know, other people and, and members of their movement that help fortify and make it all work together. So maybe she'll just become part of the bigger rebellion, more so than she has already. And also, if we go back um, to the beginning of the episode, we can see some of these things are, are hinted at, and that this change is coming, and that while the rebellion is getting a foothold and growing, so is the Jedi Order. You know, the Jedi Order is coming back. So at the very beginning, we have Ezra, we have Kanan, and they're training together. And it's pretty intense. I mean, you know, one of, one of the first thoughts I had was that, you know, have you guys ever been out, you know, drive by the park and you see the, the LARPers out there with the, you know, the real swords playing on like live steel is a little bit dangerous. That was my first thought is that these guys were going at it with their actual lightsabers. But the uh, episode guide let us know that they were in like training mode. I want to know but what anyway, kind of what kind lightsabers of, have a training mode? Well, well it, I, it, it we appeared knew that we did from the temple and stuff, right, Jimmy? Did we see that at the temple? I think we did. I think we did. And then and now we're seeing it here in, in Rebels. Um, but yeah, those, those training sabers, 
I don't think that they can do any sort of fatal damage. They'd even make marks on the wall right. when, when they struck the walls. But, it, uh, you know, Spencer, a, I... a slightly different sound to it. For sure, for sure. It was really cool. Spencer, I want to know what kind of parks you're hanging at where guys are going at it with swords. <laughs> what goes on in Arizona? <laughs> it's stuff... Arizona, man. It's like 77 degrees today. I mean, it, we're rocking oh, it. Man, so they ban guns and... <laughs> they ban they ban guns and we <laughs> so got, got swords. swords. Everybody has a saber. <laughs> now, so, something else that happened during this training session that I thought was really really important is um, as Ezra and Kanan are going back and forth, you know, Kanan says, hey, that's my move. And Ezra's like, I steal from the best. And then it cuts to Hera, you know, the mom of the crew. And she has this slight lip curl, you know, that that right Mm. corner of her mouth turns into a smile. You know, mom is seen that, you know, the kids are all it's all coming together exactly like she thought and hoped and wanted it to the ending may not be, you know, good for her heart or her emotions, but this is what she really wanted it to. Yeah. Now, Cannon says it's easier to drop your lightsaber uh, than it is to raise it. And, and, and Cannon's been sort of like regurgitating a lot of the rhetoric that he got from, you know, he remembered from his Jedi training. And Ezra's always really quick to call him on it, you know, and say, what does that even mean? But I think that this line is Kanan um, speaking from his own personal experience. So at a, at a, in his life, When he dropped his, his lightsaber history, and ran, essentially. He dropped his lightsaber and ran. He yeah. left the Jedi Order. And, and sometimes it's easier to just sort of give up than it is to get back into it and raise it. So keep it up, you know, instead of like, you know, dropping and running. So that was, that was a really good life lesson there that we got directly from Kanan. But it also sort of showed us what's happening in this episode. Oh, the other thing, um, Jimmy, did you notice the uh, the Rebels logo, the musical beat? What? So remember, uh, we talked a little bit last a little bit last time about how uh, the Rebels logo comes up, and when you see the Rebels oh. logo, about <laughs> no. you know two minutes, it's got a musical cue to it, and they nice. always do the same one. It kind of jars you out of the scene. This one. You know, when the musical beat came up on the Rebels logo, it was, it was sinister. It was, oh, this is a change one. Something special is happening in this episode. You know, for an episode that that was sort of, and Spencer, I totally agree with your assessment that this was really like, you know, a precipice was 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 crossed here, right? This was um, right. A, a, a pretty significant moment in certainly the season. Um, but it was a little bit monster of the week. And I thought it was interesting that they went there again so quickly. I feel like we've had this a couple of times, the monster of the week, um, between the whales. Uh, there was an episode in season one where there was a cave and there was the, uh, the creatures in the cave. And these have all been episodes that have sort of uh, brought home the notion of Ezra's ability to – now they're noticing – I, I noticed – in right. uh, in Rebels Recon, that they that Pablo he talks about it as a manipulation, manipulation in the Force. It's not you know communing, which sometimes I hear people say, oh you know Ezra's communing ah. with uh, these creatures in the Force, and and Pablo uses the term manipulation. He can't manipulate ah. these creatures. So I wonder you know if that means that they're taking this particular talent. 
that Ezra has into a darker place. They might be. I always considered it as taming a beast. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and, and we did notice that who has been known to tame a beast in Star Wars? Well, Anakin Skywalker, Anakin. certainly in Episode 2. So right. the groundwork has been laid that perhaps the ability to do that, to manipulate, that could be considered a dark side ability. Well, and I, you know, again, go back to Force Awakens with Kylo Ren. It looks like a very similar skill. Well, and I, I really, I, I had a lot of fun with the creatures in this episode. So first and foremost, I think it, it, was, it was pretty obvious to a lot of people, and it showed up online early, is that these spiders are based on uh, uh, early Ralph McQuarrie design from the swamps of Dagobah. Oh, yeah, you now, knew it right they're away. they're called... Right. So they're called the, the Krykna. And I can't say that without an Australian accent. Krykna. Think about all of the animals, the creatures that are in Australia that'll kill you <laughs> at a second's moment. And you've yeah. got to think, it's the Krykna. Crikey! Oh, look at that King Croc! <laughs> so the Krykna, I'm going to say that throughout the whole show here. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 I'm, having a, Star, I'm having a Star Trek flashback. Really? I, I'm, thinking, <laughs> I'm having a Star Trek flashback because, <laughs> once, uh, <laughs> because you know that episode when Spock and Kirk are fighting to the death? Yeah. In the old, the old Vulcan broad, when she realizes they've had too much, she stands up and she rattles the thing. She goes, Krika! Oh, God. It's the same thing. Same thing. Krika! We've got hundred, a, you know, but you know something else. I, well, yeah. I mean, um, sorry to derail you, Spence, but no worries. Had to get in there. I thought it was either uh, Australian or Klingon. Kranka. I know those spiders. <laughs> I know those spiders um, probably best from in the uh, early '90s. There's a book called The Illustrated Star Wars Universe by Ralph McQuarrie and Kevin J. Anderson, and the spiders were featured in there. The concept art from. Empire Strikes Back was featured in there in the uh, section about Dagobah. And they were referred to as the White Knobby Spiders. And the White Knobby Spiders had this relationship with Dagobah, with the planet itself. The, the spiders roamed the swamps. And then after a certain amount of time, they dug their, their legs into the surface and actually became calcified and grew into the giant trees you see all around Dagobah. And in the concept art itself, there's a, it's Luke Skywalker, and he comes across one of these things. And it's pretty large. In the book, it says uh, land speeder size. And um, it's, it's like puking up eggs or something. I don't know what oh, it's doing. Right. Ralph, Ralph, um, you know, Ralph McQuarrie is very creative and sometimes a little trippy. But he would look at he would look at examples in actual nature and kind of incorporate it into his artwork and give these creatures something to do. I don't know if it's in the story itself about what it's actually puking all over the place, but that's the story about <laughs> well, them. Though is that it, they they actually would roam the swamps of Dagobah and then turn into the trees that you see surrounding. You know, Yoda's. That's very cool. I mean, I've seen that yeah. photo, you know, that that illustration so many times. I didn't know the story behind it and how the the trees started out as as these creatures. <laughs> I that's, know, it's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, by the way, something else I thought was a little bit crazy is no one apparently care, cared for poor Lieutenant Dicer, but oh, let Rex man. get kidnapped. 
by these spiders. Right. And now, you know, the whole episode has to stop. We got to go find Rex. <laughs> but Lieutenant, and that well, reminded me very much of, you know, to keep the Trek rolling here, that reminded me very much right. of Star Trek down to the red uniform. Now, when she first started talking, it sounded like Ashley. It Eckstein sounded like a British accent. Yes. I, uh, I didn't check the credits on that one. Did you guys? I'm see looking right now. It actually was or not? I'm on this right now. I'm looking. Well, and she's not wearing. She she's a part of the rebellion, right? You know, the Rebel Alliance. But she's <laughs> she's wearing a red jumpsuit, and so yeah. I was like, red shirt all the way, man. Oh, yeah. She was there. <laughs> she was there to to bite it, so that we knew how dangerous the situation was. Yes. But one of the things I didn't understand about her demise is these Krykna spiders. Um, they've got this little tiny, like, um, mouth, that little beak thing, right? Yeah. And we see that they were eating those other creatures, the um, dokmas, right? Yeah. And because they went in the cave and there's a bunch of those empty shells there. And I thought, well, how did they even, like, eat her? I, I don't mean, think what, they I mean, did. I think she's hanging upside down and <laughs> in the legs of one of those those, those things. Well, and they yeah, didn't even they didn't even look fa- they didn't even try to find her. Right. So Captain Rex is just so awesome that that <laughs> one Krykna thought, I'm just gonna snuggle up and go to sleep with Rex here. <laughs> but put him right here on my legs. I'm gonna climb up in that little little cubby hole up there, and I'm just gonna hold on to him while I go to sleep. It's like a a, a plush doll or something. Dice are, that was it's a like, well, he's like a, he's like a Teddy Ruxpin. It's like a Teddy Rex. Yes. <laughs> you guys, this conversation, this conversation has worried me ever since Spencer said, how did they eat her? So let's move on. Oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, I do want to point out that Dicer was voiced by Ashley. She's definitely doing a British accent there. All right. And very effectively, too, I might add. Uh, but now, poor, after, poor Dicer. And, and after watching it, uh, I watched the episode twice. And um, whenever the Krykna, they've got these little mandibles down front. And my kids watch a bunch of different shows, but my youngest is watching um, Barbie in the Dream House. And, and whenever Ken or Barbie are surprised about something, they put their hands right up close to their face and they go, ah! and their hands are waving back and forth. So every time that the Krykna would get like mad at Ezra and his little mandibles waving like that, I'm thinking of Ken in the Dream House going, ah! We have not gotten to that in my house. It's probably not too far away. Um, <clears throat> but I, um, you know, the 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 the, the, the were okay for me. Uh, again, I, I felt like we've kind of been down that road with the creepy crawlies, uh, with this, you know, not exactly with a spider. We saw a trench back in the Clone Wars, so you know, this sort of uh, spider derivative. Um, and the fact that it's based on the Macquarie certainly gives me, you know, it it, it lends some uh, some credibility to it. It 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 wasn't there wasn't anything, you know, even with the whales, you know, there was kind of a, a I guess a nice environmental uh, message to it. I kept looking for there to be some sort of takeaway from this, and really beyond some good character stuff between Hera and Kanan and Ezra and their departure at the end. Uh, there really wasn't, there really wasn't a whole lot of, of, of meat, at least to the, to the Krykna story outside of it just being kind of, you know, the monster of the week. Well, I think the message is smash the bug before the bug smashes you. I think it's a <laughs> valuable life yeah. lesson, valuable life lesson. And the bug well, and I th- could be, that could be, you know, used metaphorically. 
or does it mean don't smash the bug? See, in my house, when it comes to spiders, unless the spider is crawling on a table or on the floor or somewhere really where I can easily reach it, if it's up in that, you know how they like to be in the corner of the, the ceiling and the wall? I let them go. Ew. I let them go because I know they're eating things that I find more annoying than spiders. They're eating mosquitoes. They're eating ants. They're eating all kinds of things. So I let them go. So maybe that's the moral of this story. Let them go. Just set up your perimeters. <laughs> is that set a up your sensors influence there? Or, uh... Yeah, I've seen that a few times too. But, <laughs> but you know, set up your, your sensors and, you know, sensors are in place. I'm going back. And the the spiders are gonna you know leave you alone, but but it is funny because Ezra keeps going back to it and just you know they they they, they want nothing to do with him. And uh, you know Pablo says this is not about a character being or a creature being evil. It just it is what it is, and it's just being what it is. And I also like something Dave Filoni mentioned on the on the recon, which is you know Ezra is able to relate. Uh, based on kind of what he knows of the world and of the universe. And here you have a planet that has probably not seen any kind of, you know, human beings uh, for a very, 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 very long time. So the force doesn't always behave the way, you know, uh, Ezra might think it should in situations like that. They're not all the same, in other words. So, you know, Ezra is so kind of young in the force. And there's that expression about when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail and I think Ezra's in that place where everything looks like been there, done that. I can do this. But uh, he's learning that it's a big universe out there. Um, so where does that where does that put us at the end of this episode? They do leave. There is uh, the, the big goodbye. And we're going into this season finale. And it doesn't look like the other characters from uh, Rebels are going to be in this. This is all, Jim, going to be a big... This is all about the Jedi, and this is all about what we think is going to lead us to the confrontation between Ahsoka and Vader. Well, that's good. I was talking to Kyle about this today. The sort of stories we prefer are the ones that are based in the mystic and the ones that expand on the force and light versus dark. That's really the the meat on the bone when it comes to Star Wars, and as much as I love the, the creature feature episodes, and I do love it, and I, I like this episode a lot, I have to tell you, in the last few weeks alone, I have found my connection to this show skyrocket. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because of Spencer's presence. You know, Maybe Spencer's getting me more <laughs> pumped up about it. I don't know. But there is some sort of connection I've recently made to this show that I haven't had. Maybe I wouldn't let myself do it because I felt so married to the Clone Wars. That was my weekly fix of Star Wars for so long. It's like all of a sudden Rebels just came out of nowhere. And it's really been moving along like a freight train at high speed. And I appreciate that. I like how all the episodes tie together and everything. And I see it going someplace now. It seems like they're not going to be on the run all the time. And finally, we're going to get into that area. We've had tastes of it before in season one and season two up to this point of the mystic and the power of the force and the discovery of what the force can reveal. What new abilities can the force reveal to us, both light or dark? That's what we're going to be getting into. And I think everything that has happened this season is leading us up into the season finale. And I think it's going to be a shocker. Can we handle the death of Ahsoka 
I'm just saying, guys, nobody knows anything right now, okay? I have right. no inside information on any of these episodes, but I can tell you. I thought we were past the whole what's going to happen to Ahsoka question. No, how can we be? I mean, we, we might see her head on a platter. We have to prepare ourselves for this. We can't just <laughs> walk into this old la-di-da. I mean, it, this could be a shock to the system, especially since we lost Han Solo late last year. I mean, I don't know. I'm still mourning over that one. To get Ahsoka yeah, taken from us, it's going to be really hard. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to leave that. I, I think there's just too much equity in that character. They would never. They would never do. Disney wouldn't spend four billion dollars on the Star Wars property and kill off Ahsoka Tano. Well, maybe they do. Maybe Not they going to happen. Forward. Well, that's what they said about Han Solo. That's what Bresnikin I know, that's what said I'm about it's Han just, Solo. Tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. Jimmy hey, remember Mac. when Bresnikin said that? Do you, I know. Do you think he was blowing me. smoke? I believe that. I'll never believe anything again. Anything can happen. Luke Skywalker might die in the first five minutes of uh, Episode Eight. Who knows? These cowboys in charge <laughs> killing off Han Solo like that. Um... <laughs> But <laughs> I will I, I'll say this. This is the one thing that I uh, so appreciate uh, from this show is the fact that even when you have an episode that seems like it's taking you off the the main path or the, the main through line storyline, they still give you these visual and audible clues that you're watching one big long story in chronological order you know for example ap5 being in this one and you know going back to when they had that um the multi-part where they found rex and his comrades the fact that rex still hung around that it wasn't like oh we meet rex and then the next week it's like it never happened or we don't know if it it's just i love the fact that there are always these little clues that uh, keep you sort of oriented into the story, and I think that's I think that's awesome. But uh, and I think yeah. that was one of that was one of the other sort of like very specific character elements that we got in this story is after all of this that they've gone through and losing Dicer and being able to rescue Rex when they got back into the ship to fly back, um, Kanan said maybe this isn't such a good place for a base after all. And Hera, who's been, like, dealing with all of this emotional stuff internally, she just says, no, we can make this work. You know, I'm not going to give up on it this, this quickly. We, they've searched for a base. They've lost it at every turn. They finally have a place that looks like it's going to work. They've got these spider creatures that they've got to deal with. But Hera says, this is a place. I'm not ready to give this up. Don't worry. I'll handle it. And that was her kind of like planting the flag and saying, we're putting stakes down here. We've gone too far to do this. And then they follow up that scene with, you know, them setting up all of the barriers and stuff. And you're all ready. And Sabine is leaning up against that pole. And she's like, um, duh, Kanan, you have to go talk to Hera because she needs to know that you're here, but you're leaving, but you're here. You know, it's like that, hey, dummy, um, mm -hmm. she likes you, and she's really sad that you're leaving. She understands it emotional, uh, like logically, but you need to talk to her. And I thought that that was another really big sort of like a character part of this, of this episode. Yeah, it, the relationship between these two uh, does pull me in every week. I think that it's 
Uh, it's something that we're not used to seeing those with the, the Jedi, uh, well, Jedi period, uh, in relationships and, you know, balancing all of that. And the fact that I, you know, it's not just his mission, which is sort of pulling them apart. You know, Ezra or Kanan has never been comfortable being, uh, as he mentions uh, in a previous episode, a soldier again, you know, with a, with a large army or responsible for uh, a large uh, fighting force of some kind. He, he kind of preferred it when it was just their little ragtag band. He gets it. He understands that that's what Hera is really uh, kind of in the galaxy. That's her place. That's her role is to do that. But uh, I don't know that he's completely sold in terms of uh, him being a part of that either. So I feel like both of their uh, respective missions are kind of pulling them apart. That's going to wrap up our look at the mystery of Chopper Base. We'll be back next week and we'll cover the season finale of season two, Twilight of the Apprentice. Now, this is a two-parter, I believe. No. Yes. It's, well, it's a, I believe it's a double it's a, du- yeah, it's a episode, double episode, but it yeah. doesn't have two different episode names. So it will be episode 19 of the uh, of season two and the finale. So we'll be back next week to talk all about that. Spencer, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I love being here. Uh, you can go and check out Spencer's beautiful artwork at studiosb3.com. That's the website. And uh, I'm sure you're doing the whole social media thing, too, where there's links to uh, oh, yeah. your various pages. I, I, I'm Spencer B3 everywhere I go because I'm Spencer Brinkerhoff the Third. Makes yeah, not- me sound regal. <laughs> regal. Uh <laughs> Jimmy Mack, final thoughts, the mystery of Chopper Base. Holy smokes, Jason. I really do like the creature feature. I like the scary episodes. I think that's an important part of Star Wars, <laughs> is to always throw in some big, scary beasts or monsters. And I love the shout-out to Ralph McQuarrie. I love finally seeing those white, knobby spiders from uh, from uh, Dagobah in action here uh, on the on the planet uh, Adelon. And uh, I really... Uh, I really want to call them the white knobby spiders instead of the krikas, you know? I I just prefer white knobby spiders. I like I like my spiders to be white and knobby. Um, it's so stupid. Um, you know those sensors they placed around uh, it, it, the the krika, uh, see, the white knobby spiders, they were uh, repulsed by those things and it reminds me of this thing I set up in my crawl space one time that was supposed to emit high-pitched sounds to keep mice out of there didn't work for crap i I need one i need one of those sensors man and then you know we were talking about chopper base why call it chopper base i mean it's just a code name for the base obviously they they lack the uh creativity that the uh rebels on hoth had when they came up with echo base you know so uh they came up with chopper base instead that's that's probably just pretty much all that has to do with it what's that i was gonna ask do they do we hear them call it chopper base at all in the I, show? No, I don't think so. 
Okay. I, I, I don't think they do, but I, I think we're led to assume that that is what they're going to be calling it from this point forward, codename Chopper Bass. Um, I, I found it revolutionary to realize that Zeb likes to relax by listening to heavy metal hair bands from the 80s. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, with a ghetto blaster, no doubt. Was he, what did he have, some white snake on there, circa 1988? Yeah. What was he listening he was, uh, to? Throwing back the Joga juice. <laughs> He's getting his freak on, you know. No wonder he loves to wear spandex so much. He thinks he <laughs> he thinks he's in Motley Crue. <laughs> but uh, all in all, yeah. And now speaking of me, I have I have Roxy music written down in my notes. I don't. Oh, because Jason, you thought the planet was called Avalon, and of course, Avalon was a. Huge album for Roxy Music in 1982. So, oh, huh. me, me and Zeb should kick back and uh, watch some MTV <laughs> together say. sometime or something. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, boys, if there's anything we could take out of this episode, is of course just remember smash the bug before it smashes you. Puff a pig, not in this episode. All right. That's going to do it. We'll see you next time here on uh, Rebels Declassified. Uh, for Rebels Declassified, Spencer, why don't you get in on this one? I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mac. I, oh, wait a minute. Spencer. I think Spencer should no, no, go second. No. no. I, I, why, why, <laughs> how did this hierarchy change happen? I, was, I don't. <laughs> there was no memo. There was no. I was not consulted. <clears throat> All <Do> right. <clears throat> let's try it again. <clears throat> Everybody ready? Yeah. I'm, I'm last place, right? Yeah, you're, you're third. Yeah, okay. the third. The third. So, yes, done. It should be easy to remember. All right. For Rebel Force uh, Radio, Rebels Declassified, I'm Jason. I'm Spencer Brink. Damn it! And I'm Jimmy Mack. Damn it! All right. We're out of here. And remember. The Force will be with you always. Always.